I'm sure I'm going to get lots of comments telling me about how Chick Carnley, you know, Bannigan can be honest, Chick Carnley's boots and all that nonsense. Bannigan would have slotted right in in the Lambie era. I, I think he would have. Like, he's a fucking hooligan. <laughs> I think we've got an, an episode intro. Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a once again weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me on this week's episode are Jamie McDonald. Jamie, hello, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good, how about yourself? I'm good, thanks. David Forrest is here. David, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. And rounding off the panel this week is Mark Wallace. How are you, Mark? I'm pretty good. I'm not going to ask how you are because you already did. We've got two games to talk about, two games since we, we last released an episode. We started on Saturday, League One action resumed, and it was a disappointing 1-1 draw with Cove Rangers before we then played Cowdenbeath in the Scottish Cup last night, or Tuesday night when you're listening to this. We'll come on to the Cowdenbeath game, but we'll start chronologically. So we'll start with the Peterhead, sorry, the Cove game. Jamie, I'll come to you first. We'll just start with the starting eleven, basically. We talked a bit about it last week. What did you make of the starting eleven when you saw it on Saturday? Uh, I wasn't best pleased with it, to be honest, because it was once again playing multiple players out of position. You know, this fostered a left-back thing in Penrice in midfield. I think it ran its course earlier in the season. Worked for a couple of games, like that East Fife one and the Montrose one, but it's just not working now. Uh, I, I just Obviously, we couldn't play Wilkinson, so we had to stick in McKenna at full-back again, but I'm just... And McKenna at fullback just doesn't really work for me. He's much more suited to his natural position at centre half. So I really don't want to see us using this lineup again. I know we'll get onto it, but the lineup we used against Cole was much more in line with what I'd like to see us use. I mean, it's a bit more attacking. People actually playing in their natural positions because sticking players at position, I just don't see the point in it because it, I think it weakens us going forward. Against Cole, we were you know we were very flat. I thought, and they didn't create much at all. And the strikers were anonymous. But I think that was partly to do with. We had so many players at position like Penrice, who I, I do like, and I think he can do a job at left midfield, but he's much better suited to his left-back position. And, yeah, it's just not, not the lineup I would have liked to, to see us go with again. I agree with you on Penrice, Jamie. I think he can do a job at left midfield, but I think that job at left midfield would come in the away games, maybe at Falkirk, maybe at Waitakov, and not so much at home when you're chasing it and looking to create, you're looking for an out-and-out winger. Then... David, what did you make of the, the performance? Stick to the, the first half, the first half performance, what did you make of it, David? Um, I mean we kinda me, you and Mark had were uh, watching it together in the in the chat and I think we all came we came to the conclusion that we just sat and didn't really do anything of note through the first forty five minutes. It really felt like they were kinda dipping their toes into the water. And we're just trying to um, field our way into the game, so to speak, after like three months off or whatever. 
And I, I don't think that's necessarily... Obviously, you know, you have to look at fitness and stuff like that in terms of whether they would be able to, but we should have absolutely been going for Cove. I don't think Cove were especially threatened. It seems to be a, a theme of them where we expect them to be a bit more on the front foot than they actually are. And I think that what we certainly, we kind of pissed about in the first 45 minutes that realistically, I mean, it will be bared out by Tuesday when we get to it. If we'd kind of went in the front foot and just went for it, I think we'd ever got a better result. And so I think we were all a bit disappointed that just there was nothing there in the whole first half at all. I think what summed up the first half for me was we were all dead excited, maybe just for the first 15 or 20 minutes. And then it took 20 minutes for Mark, while we were listening, uh, to hit out with this absolutely heinous story about his mate's trip to Amsterdam. And that was really my abiding memory of the first half. Nothing else uh, happened of note that I took away. Mark, David and Jamie have both sort of mentioned the fitness. Do you think the second lockdown and the shutdown of the leagues uh, can be blamed for the, the lacklustre performance at the weekend? I think it's a factor. I think you're looking at, well, obviously it's the first game back, so I wasn't really expecting it to be thrilling. And certainly speaking to friends who support other clubs at this level said uh, similarly that it was very, that their games were very drab. So, I don't know. I think fitness is a factor, obviously, but how much of a factor, you have to wonder. Certainly the performance was horrible, but again, as I sort of said, it's the first game back. I really wasn't... I don't think I expected it to be straight back in, no bother. There was always going to be that sort of settling in period, Uh, but I think the not having any sort of attacking sort of nous was pretty bad to be honest I made a point on Twitter at the weekend where like McCall's now got the the players he wants to play the shape he wants and yet he persists with this attritional boring uh, way we went about business against Cove and you have to wonder how long can you give that especially when you contrast it with against Cowdenbeath opposition forgiveness perhaps but yeah definitely I think fitness and maybe not wanting to throw yourself into it too much in the first game back was a factor yeah I could see why people would think that it's not like we've just had seven weeks off and Cove have been playing week in week out or anything like that every club has had this so there's only so much you can kind of blame on that because for as, as unfit as you might be from having three months off the other team are going to be just as unfit and the fact that we are a sort of a full-time club means that we probably have a bit more leniency in the sense that we don't have people going and working working shifts uh, in the week or whatever and, in, and coming home and doing stuff or whatever. So I think there's only so much you can kind of put in the fitness because everyone has to deal with it. And it's a bit. And at that point, you have to think, how well have we dealt with that? And why have we not dealt with it that well if we are having this sort of performance in the first half? I, I totally agree with you, David. I know McCall said in his interview a week or two ago that he didn't really know what training to give the players and that, I think that's understandable and fair enough because it's it's an unprecedented situation but as you say all the clubs are in it and I think if fitness is an issue to me it would make more sense to try and blow a team away in the first 20 or 30 minutes especially at home and get yourself 2-0 or 3-0 up so you're in a position where you can make the subs later on rather than what it looks like we've tried to do in the league games all season 
and on Saturday was grind it out and surely that takes its toll more than the players trying to grind out a win. And I think Scally came out in the in his post match interview, or it might even have been the, the preview for the Cowden Beef game, where he said he felt I think he used the word comfortable at one nil and <laughs> he's obviously not been around for how long enough. Comfortable at one nil and I know we did have the Senna chance, but to be honest, once we scored, I think Cove looked like the better team after that. Jamie, what did you make of the second half performance? I mean, it was slightly better than the first half. I mean, I think that we didn't really do anything up until the 70th minute mark. Apart from when Cardin came on, he did add something. He added a bit of creativity, which we were completely lacking. And obviously then he put us ahead in the 70th minute. Uh, after that, he was nearly involved in a second goal when he crossed it in and Senna blasted that over the bar. I mean, that chance was huge. And if that had gone in, we, I'm pretty sure we would have won the game. We would have seen it out because that would have been 2-0 with about 10 minutes to play. And I do believe we could have seen it out then. But I don't want to be too harsh on Senna, though, because he always busts it up for the team. He's a young, hungry player, but he'll know himself he should have scored that chance. Later on, Wright then made quite an important stop. I think, um, I'm not sure if it was Megason. Someone was played in, and he kind of like slapped it away, slapped the chance away, which I think tried to let Dinko over him. Uh, Cardo had that other shot that was headed wide that was going in, and then Squiddy had the effort at the end. But overall, it was a really poor performance and, and a very poor game. And I think we could have seen it out if we'd, a bit more switched on. And I also think McCall probably should have brought on maybe, I don't know, Stephen Bell, maybe someone like that, a bit more defensive to add a little bit more solidity and just kind of calmness to the midfield and uh, just, or wherever he wants to put Bell in, probably alongside Bannigan maybe. But I think that's possibly a mistake. Should have brought on someone else. But I think we ended up with two strikers on at the end. I might be wrong, but it was just, it was just so frustrating to see us chuck away points again, which we've done countless times this season. Second time against Cove, we've dropped a late goal and dropped points against them. But it just overall, it was a dreadful game. I didn't expect a great game, obviously being off for three months, but we were we were worse than I expected us to be. We were just no creativity at all, apart from when Cardo came on. Jamie, can I come back to you and ask you a question about the subs you mentioned there? He'd like to have seen McCall maybe make a more defensive-minded substitution. Is that the sort of substitutions we should be making or should we be looking to get a second or third goal and kill it? No, I definitely think we actually should be looking for more goals. But in that game, I'm, I'm kind of just judging it on the game that I saw. It was such a poor quality game. I didn't think we looked like scoring another one, to be honest. I know Cardo had that chance and Senna had that chance. Well, and Cardo's actually after we conceded. But apart from that Senna chance, I think after we scored, we didn't look like scoring again. And... Like you said earlier, Cove looks a little bit more dangerous, and because Cove looks a bit more dangerous, I actually would have, I wouldn't have criticised McCall for making a defensive sub. I'd actually kind of rather he had, to be honest, because as as we've said, it seems to be his style right now that we're trying to grind games. Out. I don't know why that's the style we're doing, but if we were doing that, which it looked like we were doing, I'd rather we had someone else defensive on the pitch to help us do that instead of keeping attacking players on but looking to grind it out. I think it would be better to have a defensive player on. But in general. I think we should be going for teams a lot more. Like I said, the Cowden Beef lineup, I know we'll go on to that game, but it was a lot more attacking and we can see that it worked well. I know it's opposition in the league below, but put that team out on Saturday against Airdrie and we'll see how that does. But I think going for a more attacking team with more attacking substitutions, if need be, that's the kind of game that I'd like us to play. No, that makes perfect sense. Thanks, thanks for that, Jamie. I think the, the theme of this episode is that we all want to see more attacking play from Thistle and perform more performances like the one we saw against Cowdenbeath. Before we go on to individual players, 
Mark and David, I'll just open it back up to either you, either you want to come in any more thoughts on the, the Cove game? I personally thought that, like, obviously, where Rudden's suspension was rather unfortunate, because I think you could have withdrew McKeever and gave us, if he, if he could have withdrew McKeever and brought maybe Rudden on, that might, maybe someday a bit more, something a bit more physical, maybe straight, maybe stretch positions for Graham, similar to how we've seen it work in the past with other with other players in certainly much happier times. I think maybe somebody like Rudden try to run at that that cove defence, try to stretch it and create something for for Graham to get his head on at the end. I think that could maybe that could have done something, but like I, I was nodding in agreement with Jamie there on his assessment of maybe a defensive sub probably would have been smart. There's not really much you can say more on the the, the Senna chance. It's the one guy you don't you could say you maybe don't want it to fall to. Even if it falls to anybody else, even maybe somebody like even like a Ricky Foster or somebody like that, they know themselves like they're experienced guys, they know you've got Senna who's young. He struggled at times throughout the the, the match. He's obviously wanting to keep his place and like that chance coming to him is just probably the last thing you want it to be coming to really like skittish centre half with the goal gaping. It's just a bit of bad luck really, I think. I think while you mentioned Senna, Mark, we'll maybe stick on him. I, I think we were all discussing it more so on uh, Saturday, to be fair, than uh, Tuesday night against Cowdenbeath, more so on Saturday. But maybe Senna struggled a wee bit for the first time and it's not so much he's been found out, far from it, I think. He's still performing well and he's still deserving to keep his place in the team. But I think you could argue that out of all the players in the league, even not just the team, the league, the, the shutdown maybe came at the worst time for him because he just got his breakthrough into the team. He was enjoying that sort of honeymoon honeymoon period next to Darren Brown in the defence. Really was performing well at that point. David, I'll come to you. What have you made of Senna's performances since in the last two games? I think we all noted on Senna having a very, very shaky game on Saturday. It was by far his worst game of the season. But of course it's, you know, three three months off. I, I think you're absolutely right. It was the worst luck for him that happened because he was on a a huge rise. He was very much grown from game to game. He was feeding off of it. And you could see that every week his confidence was building. To then have that kind of your legs cut out from you with that. And then have three months of not and then kind of resetting back to square one. It must be very difficult because you you, you were on such a you were riding the crest of a wave and then that wave just is gone. You, you don't know what to do. I think the thing is is that this was going to happen to Senna at some point. He was going to have a bad game. He was going to have a game where he struggled. You know, it, it might have been now, it might have been a couple of weeks, it might have been next year or whatever. It, he's not going to be, you know, the, an amazing defender getting you know eight, nine ratings every game. It's just not going to happen. Just by the law of averages, you're going to have a bad game. The same as everybody who goes to work has a bad day at work. Do you know what I mean? It's the same idea. I, I still think that I wouldn't be dropping him or anything like that. I think that certainly on, on Tuesday, he looked a lot, lot better, um, albeit against a kind of beef team who, if we're being generous, weren't the greatest team in the world. But they they tried to make it hard and Senna was able to kind of refocus and give in a half-decent performance um, on Tuesday. So, yeah, I think, like, you know, it's, it's a bad game and the misses, obviously, 
you know, it, it, it's one of those dangerous misses where it can shatter your confidence, where if you're having a bad game, you know, coming back and then you miss that, you kind of think about the sort of all the progress you've made as to it kind of undoing that and whether it undoes it. I, I don't think it does. I think he'll, he'll bounce back, especially with like Brownlee and McCall and stuff like that, who've been guiding them through it and all that. He'll bounce back from it, but I can't pretend that he was great on Saturday. I agree with you that I don't think he'll be dropped, David. I think Ian McCall, if we've seen one thing um, since he came back to Fahal, is that he does stick with things. And that's maybe been to our detriment in the last year. We've seen him maybe been reluctant to take the handbrake off this season. Last season, you know, he stuck with Scott Fox, even though he was underperforming. And I think even if Senna does go through a sticky spell, you've heard how highly McCall speaks of him. And unless it continues poor performances week in, week out for four or or five games, I, I can't see him being dropped just for one sticky game. And it maybe wasn't, Perfect on Tuesday night, but he did marshal a very experienced Cowden Beef attack really well with Darren Brownlee, and we kept a clean sheet, and that that will only boost his confidence, and hopefully he'll take that going into Saturday's game against Airdrie. Mark, I'll come to you on your thoughts on Senna. I know we had a chat about it watching the game last night. It was a very typical young guy who's had a good run of form before the shutdown, maybe trying too hard to... Maybe he feels like he might lose his place in the team and he's, he was all over the place against Cove. Try to keep that momentum up as, as, if you even can do that after three months. I've always been very impressed with him. He's got immense strength, a lot of heart. And there was a, there was a couple of times where he barged in a couple of times, obviously not knowing how strong he actually is. And I think you made that point as well. You're like, fucking hell. Maybe a, more, a less lenient referee's going to come down on him for that. But I thought his performance against Cove, it wasn't great, but I would put it down to everything, pretty much everything you guys have covered, saying that like you've got a young guy who's on a bit of form coming into the shutdown, and then his first game back, he maybe feels like he wants to, especially with guys like Bell and Gegan who have done it at this level and, and the level above, he maybe feels a wee bit under threat from the sort of experienced guys. I think that was maybe a factor on him. Like he's wanting to show he's still very much the guy that the manager's been persevering with, especially as a young guy coming through. Because you always think, especially when they're your youngster, rather than maybe somebody, use Kieran Wright as an example, a different position, where he's on loan from another club. There's always that greater scope of intense expectation or pressure on players when they're your own player. Oh, that makes perfect sense. And while you mention Kieran Wright there, Jamie, I'll come to you on the decision to play Kieran Wright in both both games. Maybe not so much a surprise that he played in the league game. He'd done nothing to be dropped. We did talk about maybe bringing Snedden in last week, but I think the fact that Snedden didn't get any game time across either competition, a little bit surprising for you. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I think it was. I didn't expect Snedden to play against uh, Cove. I did think Kieran Wright would keep his place because, I mean, he hadn't done anything deserved to be dropped before the shutdown, so I expect him to keep his place. But I was disappointed for Snedden that he didn't get to play against Cowan Beef. I thought it's a cup game. McCall might rotate the team a little bit, give Kieran Wright a rest, give Jamie Snedden some deserved game time, I think. He's been so unlucky with injuries, and I just really hoped he would get some game time, but obviously not. And Unless Kieran Wright makes like a huge mistake, I really can't see Snedden getting any game time for the rest of the season. 
that worries me because, I mean, I've already said to you guys in the chat, I think Snedden's going to leave at the end of the season. I mean, if I was in his position, I'd leave as well because he's not getting any game time. He's still a young keeper. I mean, I'm not sure if he's 22, 23 years old. He's still a young keeper. So, I mean, he doesn't want to be wasting away his career and, you know, sitting on our bench when he's probably could get a move easily to a championship club at least. So, I think he'll be off at the end of the season and it's really disappointing unless there's some sort of big change and he gets a big run in the team. But, Right now, as as of now, I can't see McCall dropping him because I I just don't. I've just got a feeling McCall just doesn't rate Sneddon very highly. Never seems to have, like I think I mentioned this last podcast. He really persisted with Scott Fox last season, even when Scott Fox was having some dreadful games. He just wouldn't drop him. Sneddon was there the whole time. I think Sneddon played like four or five league games last season at most, and two of them were under Gary Caldwell. I think so. I just don't think McCall rates him, and I think he's going to leave at the end of the season. I, I, I find it a bit sad with, with Snedden and that he was very promising for ourselves. Um, and then last year kind of derailed him when Scott Fox came in. And I, I don't even think he played it four or five league games last season. I, I He wasn't even getting in the, the Iron Brew Cup games or anything like that. He was he was just not getting a sniff whatsoever. And then when Fox left, you thought, well, this will be his time to shine. And then obviously Kieran Wright came in and um, he's just unequivocally backed Kieran Wright since then, which seems a bit strange when you've got Hopefully, with the amount of games that we're playing, there will be some rotation because I think, you, Matt, you mentioned it last week. You know, Snedden is the one who has contracted to us. Kieran Wright's going to go back to Rangers at the end um, unless McCall goes in for a deal to get him or whatever. But, you know, like, at, at that point, that, that is a finite relationship with Kieran Wright, whereas with Snedden, there's a bit more of a chance of a more uh, long-lasting relationship that you think you probably should try and cultivate because at the moment, as Jamie said, if... If I was Snedden, why would you want to sit there and just be second fiddle on the bench to keeper after keeper? Jamie's probably the best person to ask this. Jamie, is Snedden contracted beyond this season? Uh, no, he's not. His contract's up at the end of the season, so that's another reason why I think he's off. I just checked ah, there. Well. Supposedly he played six games last season, but that's in the league. I think that, yeah, said he played six games in the championship last season. I didn't even realise he played that many. I thought he played like four. I know he definitely he played two. He definitely played two under Caldwell. He played against Hallow and Dundee United. I can remember that. I'm not sure. He played in the Hallow. air game that Dylan scored. Is that right? Yeah. He, didn't, he definitely didn't play against the Arbroath because I remember that's one of Scott Fox's only good performances last season was against Arbroath in Caldwell's last game. But he played. So he played three games at least under Caldwell. So three games maximum is what he played under McCall last and season. Scott Fox picked up an injury in the warm up last season when McCall was in, and that's how Snedden got. Yeah, at least one, if not two of the starts, game, maybe. Yeah. yeah, he played that clear in the South game because of Scott Fox's injury. So I just feel really bad for him because he's a good keeper and he, he wants to learn and improve and he's not going to learn and improve on our bench. So I think I think he's going to be off at the end of the season. I think it is a shame because he's, he's always been rated highly since, since he came in eh, three or four years ago and it did look like... He was going to be a long-term number one, but it's it's hard to see now that if, if McCall's our manager next season, I can't see Jamie Snedden at the club. I agree with you, Jamie. Earlier this week, I spoke to Adam Miller, also known as Old Fun Facts, as he shared his experiences of interacting with Thistle online and debunked if some of the stereotypes of Thistle fans are true.
Now on Draw, Lose or Draw, we've been joined by special guest Adam Miller, the man who runs Old Form Facts, that you may follow on Twitter. Adam, how are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you getting on? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, just want to just want to start by telling us a wee bit about what you do, just in case there's anyone listening who's not familiar with you. I run a Twitter account I created a few years back called Old Fun Facts. Um, it is just. It, I mean, it started off as a thing, just kind of taking the piss out of various things in Scottish football. It was just sort of mainly jokes about Celtic and Rangers, but as it went on, started kind of broadening the horizons of it a little bit. And, taking in other subjects and then as it went on and kind of grew I've got an opportunity through that to start writing columns and eventually became a full-time journalist um, I worked for a couple of years at the Daily Record in Glasgow Live quit, quit that a few months ago I'm now working for GRV Media and by the time this podcast comes out I'll have shared the very first episode of the Old Firm Facts podcast which I recorded a couple of days ago um, so that's I think that's one of the big things I'm looking to get into uh, with Old Firm Facts That's very exciting I'll ask you to plug your work at the end um, <laughs> just, just in terms of writing about Thistle you obviously cover most of Scottish football and Thistle does feature quite prominently and it's mostly because we're not very good at football so how easy is it to make jokes and write about Thistle? stereotypes how how accurate do you think they are obviously you can't paint an entire fan base with the same brush but do you think they they do have a basis Obviously not. I'm not going to ask you who you support, but when you do go about uh, Scottish grounds and stuff, what what's different about Fahill and what sort of stands out to you about going to see going to Thistle games compared to other clubs? Well, I think that uh, Thistle does for us, you know, um, no matter what league Thistle are in, there's always. 
there's always an atmosphere, and I think there's, this, and again, I may be sort of playing into a stereotype, but I think there's an almost kind of self-deprecating streak that you need in order to be a Thistle fan, because there's some teams that will go years without any success, and they'll obviously still stick behind their club, but it's a kind of either you're happy or you're sad, and there's, I'm on like, you know, going on Thistle matches that I've been at, and more specifically, the people that I know who support Thistle, there's a way, there tends to be a, a, an atmosphere or a, a mindset where you can find the humour and even a terrible result. And, you know, even a terrible season, you know, as long as you're avoiding relegation, you can you can still see not necessarily the funny side of it, but you can be a bit reflective about it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, I think the way sometimes Thistle fans, again, I'm basing this on people I know, but I think sometimes the way Thistle fans can talk about the team is... Like, uh, like a sitcom cast, like the way like the rest of the cast of Friends would talk about Joey or something like they they love him and they're sort of strangely proud of him, but they're also resigned to making a series of hilarious mishaps. <laughs> so essentially, Patrick Thistle or the, the Joey Tribbiani of Scottish football. No, I, th- I think you're pretty spot on. There's obviously an element of the support that think we're a, a Premiership club and, and do take it really seriously, and it's not to say. The rest of us don't take it seriously, but it's that sort of self-deprecating humour that I think you've got to have to support a team that's as unsuccessful as we are. Uh, in terms of like your interactions with Thistle fans online, partly just for your own amusement and partly through like things you do for your work, uh, what have you? What do you sort? What do you take away from there? Well, I, I mean, the majority of interactions that I have with people on Twitter, for all that I'll always talk about. The kind of fan posts that I get my notifications. Most people enjoy it and play into it, and there's quite a few Park Thistle fans that follow me, which is great. Um, and I've got to know a few of them a little bit through Twitter. But I always, when I get asked about like the kind of abuse you get or the criticism, Rangers, Celtic, and Park Thistle are the three examples that I give because Rangers fans are the sort of give you the sort of short, sharp criticism where if they don't like it, it's just you're a dick, basically. <laughs> If Celtic fans don't like it, then it's you're part of the some kind of MSM conspiracy against their team. And if Thistle fans don't like it, then it's a dissertation about why exactly why this reference was slightly wide of the market. You sir should be taking time to ponder whether or not this is an acceptable display of blah blah. Um, and I've had ones from I've had ones that are just like people taking it down and again I don't make these jokes so much now because I kind of kick the arse out of it but I used, when I used to make all those jokes all the time about why is Anderson and Bell's past you know whatever you would you would get Thistle fans sometimes who would respond without any sort of self-awareness about it get really pissed off about it but their, their anger would still be really eloquent and articulate and I'd be like you're kind of proving the point here just just call me an arsehole <laughs> <laughs> Um, b- before I ask you to plug your work, we've got a new a new feature on the show which we've uh, inventively called Partridge Thistle, where we ask like an, an Alan Partridge type question. Last week it was um, how many bites does it take you to finish a cream egg? Do you have any any thoughts on that topic? How many, how many bites does it take to finish a cream egg? Yeah. Um, good question. Um, we're talking like the small cream eggs here. Ah, just the, the regular size. Like, uh, regular size. Four. Four really. Do you go like the thin end first, or do you bite right into the bottom fat end first? I, I, I think you've just got to kind of abandon all dignity when you <laughs> when you head in there. Like there's no there's no messing about. You know, straight straight in from the first whistle. <laughs> 
Uh, we've not actually decided what this week's topic is going to be, but I saw somebody replied to your tweet saying that you're coming on here with, if Buzz Lightyear believes he's not a toy, why does he like drop dead when adults come in the room? So I think I think we might run with that this week. Do you have any any thoughts on on Buzz Lightyear's strange behaviour there? Just like any mention of that, I just get like post traumatic stress disorder thinking about the end of Toy Story three. <laughs> it's just gonna set me off. Um, I think that's a really good question. That um, I don't know if this uh, like learned behaviour from hanging around was Woody. I think probably at the in the back of his mind, he, he probably knows deep down he's a toy, and he's probably just doing it to protect protect Woody. But it does raise a, an important point about like the validity of the Toy Story movies. And so what I, you're saying essentially is that they should all be scrapped and cancelled. Yeah, I'm not the person that would, that would write the dissertation on this, but I, I know the Thistle fans that that could do it. <laughs> uh, just just before we go, do you want to sort of plug uh, your work? And obviously you mentioned the podcast there where we can find it. Um, so on Wednesday night, I put out the very first episode of the Old Fun Facts podcast, which I've recorded in association with The Big Light, who make podcasts like Sean McDonald's Blethered and... Uh, top media was Stuart Cosgrove, Naming the Neil, and a whole bunch of other interesting podcasts. Um, it's gonna uh, the first episode's got Sean and Stuart, Sean McDonald and Stuart Cosgrove as the guests. It was supposed to be about forty-five minutes, and it's run to about an hour and a half because it was such an interesting conversation. We talk about all kinds of stuff related to Scottish football. Nothing's off the table. Some of it's funny, some serious. Um, I'm gonna I've got big ambitions for this thing. I'm gonna really involve. The, fact that the Scottish football fans and people who follow me on Twitter and everything like that, I want it to be a kind of collaborative thing that people can feel involved in. Um, and that's going to be something we're going to put, we put the first episode out, see how that goes in terms of the response, and hopefully it can build from there. And in terms of the day job, um, I'm writing for GRV Media across a number of their websites, so I'll be, um, whenever there's a an idea for a column, whether it's a kind of jokey old fun fancy column or a more serious or type column, I'll be putting those out. So I'll be doing plenty of writing and hopefully plenty of podcasts. And there's also something which I just found out about like 10 minutes before we started recording, which may be happening in the summer and will be really exciting, but I can't say just now, but um, you'll, you'll definitely know because if it happens, I'll be banging on about it relentlessly on Twitter. That's oh, a big tease. It's a big tease. <laughs> All the best with the podcast. I hope it goes really well. And thanks, thanks very much. Th- th- no, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Nice one. Cheers. Thank you. We'll move on to Tuesday night's game against Cowdenbeath, where I think we were all a wee bit happier with the starting lineup. We saw 
James Penrice moved back to his left-back position. Brian Robinson was back in ahead of schedule, recovering from an injury. Uh, Cardell and debutant Scott Tiffany, who we'll talk about, started in the wings with Zach Rudden returning up front with Ross McKeever. Mark, I'll come to you. Were you happy with the starting eleven, and what did you make of the performance? I thought the, I was very happy with the with the team when I saw it. Um, from speaking to a friend of mine, a Morton fan, who said to me that Tiffany's a very tricky player, and like he certainly didn't disappoint. That especially in the first. I like think you said the first half an hour you were willing to give him player of the year and uh, a two-year deal and I probably wasn't far behind you. It was so nice to see us actually playing with a bit of attacking urgency compared to uh, the Cove game where we continued with the handbrake on approach. Um, I thought Banzo was fantastic. It was as good as he could be in a game against what was a very, very poor side. Um, like I remember when we played, like, played Cowdenbeath in the Championship. They, were, they, they, were, they weren't one of the bigger or better teams in that league then, but how they've fallen off was eye-opening to me. So I remember when they had actual like, good, honest pros. They had like, guys like Lewis Milne and and like Greg Stewart and stuff like that when they were at when they were a decent part time team, but like that Count Beast team were especially poor in attacking wise. We probably could have had a lot more than the three we had. Especially we could have had at least two penalties. Thought the referee last night was questionable at best. Although you won't have me campaigning for VAR or international referees or anything like that. Uh, attacking wise we look so much better and I'm glad that we finally actually played well going forward and also that Zach got his first goal for the club. I think you mentioned about Cowden Beast there, Mark, and I, I do agree they were really poor, but at least four or five of the teams in our league are also really poor. If they played against Cowden Beast, it'd be like that meme with the two Spider-Men pointing at each other. Like It's anything below Botman Championship. is It's not good. And I know it's, we maybe touched on this last week and we tried not to sound like we should be blowing the league away. And we, we shouldn't, we have got no God-given right to blow the league away. But there's absolutely no reason why when we are playing teams like, we've, we've seen home games against Dumbarton this season, against Peterhead, they are not much better than that Cowden Beast team last night. And there's no reason why we should not be playing like we did last night and getting the results like we did last night. I thought we were really good last night. I, I agree with everything you said about the lineup as well. David, I'll come to you on... Uh, Scott Tiffany, he signed yesterday on loan. I should mention that we we um, terminated the loan of Adam Devine, who returned to Rangers, and then he was also uh, quickly loaned back out to Brecon. But Scott Tiffany, a winger, did come in on a loan deal to the end of the season. What did you make of that signing, and specifically, what did you make of his performance last night? Yeah, he was he was fantastic. Like as you were saying, like the first half an hour, I think we we're all just blown away just by like. How, how much he just contributed to the team he brought everybody up like the energy level was really high and obviously it's going to be a case of McCall kind of as you say taking the handbrake off or whatever but you know Tiffany definitely helped to that Tiffany was definitely there and he was contributing and his his run up for the assist for the first goal was just it's it's not something I've seen from us in quite, quite a while like we, 
he he played he played well, which sounds silly to say that I'm stunned that he played well. But I mean, like I think I've been ground down over the years of just having really attritional, like pure technical football. If you know what I mean, like, but but he was really really good, and the assister got in. I immediately I, I was struck by him. I think he's going to be a big part for us, and I think it's a great signing. I did feel really bad for Devine that he was, uh, you know, told got one game and was told it's not for you, son, and then just you no know, <laughs> punted. But obviously, in this sort of circumstance, I think we can agree that the, the trade we 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 got a net gain in the trade, and obviously he'll get game time at breaking and stuff like that. So for his development, I think it's probably going to be. And better for him, but no, I really enjoyed Tiffany yesterday, and I think he's going to be an integral part and a nice, pleasant surprise to have him just sign up. I know Monday, Tuesday, and just be there because I don't think anybody. It kind of came out of the blue. I know there was uh, rumours of him coming in January as part of a deal with uh, Penrice and Taylor Sinclair that were kind of floating about, but it, I, I, it was just kind of out of the blue, and it's it was a nice wee surprise. So I said, what about Thistle Scott Tiffany? Anyway. That's plenty. That's absolutely plenty. We invited Mark on, so we've only got ourselves to blame. No, I think what struck me, I think I said in the, the chat, Tiffany's got a contract at the end of the season. <laughs> I was prepared to give him a two-year deal and give him player of the year after 20 minutes. It was so exciting just to see a, a player beat a man with a burst of pace and pull a ball back, and we've been crying out for Gordon to get in the end of the bo- end of that type of ball all season, and he finally did it. And you know when Gordon gets in the end of those balls, more often than not he's going to score. He's a good finisher, Gordon, and it's just maybe the other parts of his game let him down. What struck me last night, we saw Darren Brownlee three or four times step out of the defence and then play 30 or 40 yard diagonal balls to the fullbacks, and that happened because we had Penrice and Williamson on the field. And they were starting in such an advanced position that it allowed Brownlee to do that. Where previously, if Brownlee had the ball, Foster to his left and McKenna to his right would have probably been five, ten yards ahead of him, if that. But Penrice and Williamson started, their starting positions were so much higher and so much better. And it gave their fullbacks a problem because they were almost doubling up. And it, it made life easier for Tiffany and Cardo because when Tiffany and Cardo had the ball, did the option of Penrice and Williamson or the option to swing a ball into the box. And I think we saw an improved performance from Cardle as well last night. I thought he was really good. Jamie, do you want to finish off our talk on the Cowdenbeath game with your thoughts? Yeah, I was overall pleased with the performance against Cowdenbeath. We were a lot better than we were on Saturday against Cove. Obviously, it is lower league opposition and it has been mentioned that Cowdenbeath, the side we came up against, they weren't great. I don't want to be... Too harsh, but they weren't. They weren't exactly great team team that we played against. But we looked good going forward, as previously mentioned. Scott Tiffany looked good. I think part of the reason we all were so happy with him is because it's just that kind of player is something that we've lacked. This player is direct, gets forward, creates chances, isn't afraid to take his man on. I feel Scott Tiffany is kind of like what we were expecting Blair Lions to be. Um, still hoping Blair Lions can be that, but for now it seems like that's what Scott Tiffany is. And yeah, I was very impressed with him in his debut. He was a good player and he got an assist six minutes into his debut so had a good start and obviously I really do hope he starts again don't want us to change the lineup. overall very complete performance we could have had a few more goals 
really should have it gave us at least one penalty and then the card of one I don't really know how much contact there was I didn't see it greatly I know a lot of people did say it was a penalty but that second one the one in McIver or McIver however you want to pronounce it um, that was definitely a penalty it just went right for him didn't get any of the ball but overall very comfortable win and it's got us into the next round of the cup and yeah no complaints to me it was a good performance I think one player I think we're all quite keen to talk about Stuart Bannigan I know I've said in this podcast he does get maybe more abuse than is warranted from fans at times. But I think we all want to talk about how impressed we've been with him since the restart. He's one of those guys that, like, I don't think Thistle fans, I would I would say Thistle fans don't really appreciate him as much as they should. Because, like, this guy's been at times ultra-dynamic, but ultimately a reassuring presence in our midfield for the best part of a decade now. Had a, a a couple of Scotland under twenty one caps. He's won the championship with us. He's been through the highs and the lows. I can see why people can get frustrated with him, but like how he's played the last couple of games since the restart shows just how important he is to the club. Like he genuinely cares about the club. He could have moved on. He had certainly been linked with other clubs uh, since getting over the worst of his injury worries, but he's persevered and staying with us in this division, whether people think that's a good thing for him or not is certainly their opinion, but his importance to this club is, I think it's second to none, probably the first name of the team sheet as well, to be honest. I would agree. Like I, I think that Bannigan has been consistent for the whole season. He's been consistent. Him and Doherty have linked up, and I think there was a bit of a worry that with Doherty kind of on the shelf for a wee bit, whether Bannigan would be able to react to that and play you know, because him and Doherty were so comfortable with each other, kind of first and went in a position where he had to come a wee bit out of his comfort zone with that sort of thing. He he absolutely rose to the challenge. I think he's been fantastic. I would I would agree. I think he's been our best player um, uh, this season. I, I can't think of anyone who's consistently been as good. And when he's, he plays pretty much every game, and he's just yeah. And Saturday he was just pulling out stuff that was just fantastic. I absolutely adore him. He is. No, no doubt in my mind, a Thistle legend. And as Mark says, like it's something a lot of people don't appreciate him as much as they should. And certainly in years to come, when Bannigan finally does not play with us anymore, he will absolutely be looked back on as being one of the best to ever play for Thistle. And I think even in this season, he has been a shining star um, in that team. Yeah, I agree. I think he's been good in the game since we've come back. He's just been good all season. He just go unnoticed. I feel a lot of what he does goes unnoticed on the pitch. Just good bits of passing, good bits. He does good at holding the ball up in midfield, moving on, just getting the tackles in. He's calmed down the bookings a lot this season as well, which is good to see because if anything that you could criticise him for in the past, that was the one thing I think you could criticise him for. He was a bit rash with tackles sometimes unnecessarily, but he's worked on that and he's calmed that down this season. And He's just a complete player and it's great having him in the team. And yeah, he's definitely been one of our best players this season. I'd say alongside Darren Brownlee and uh, Doc, those three have been the standouts for me this season. And yeah, he's just a great player to have with the club. And he's approaching his testimonial. And yeah, he is a club legend. I know he gets criticised a lot, but he's been here for over eight years. He's just a, and you know, we all love Barry on this podcast. We all talk about him very highly and we rate him very highly. And there's a good reason for that. He's a he's a great player, and I'm glad we, I'm glad he's still here. No, I'm I'm with you guys. I think Bannigan's been excellent this season. I know he maybe struggled a wee bit when he came, first came back from his injury and he got accused of sideways passes a bit and 
you don't know if it was him, his confidence or just the way the team was at that time, but I think he, he's sort of backed his, his confidence or swaggy best now. He's like playing a lot of diagonal balls out of the fullbacks. He's driving forwards in midfield, taking the team up the pitch. And as you say, Jamie's cut the bookings out as well. I know we all have a, a wee laughing joke about how many times he gets booked in the, the sort of nonsense he gets up to, but to have him sort of suspension-free for most of the season as well, is, is a real bonus but um, if anyone wants to query that one of the best to ever play for Thistle that was um, David Forrest that said that uh, so tweet your outrage at him Thistle does joining David this week to give the lowdown on Saturday's opponents Airdrionians it's Colin Telford from the Only the Lonely podcast dum, dum, dum. Joined by Colin Telford from the Only the Lonely podcast. Colin, how are you? I'm good despite the football, but I've got some points of order before before we start. So uh, you okay. had me on your your 12 Days of Archie podcast. I'll start with a, a bit of praise. Absolutely excellent. Um, it was it was focusing on one of your famous victories over us. So what? Not the not the easiest listen, but for anybody who edits podcasts absolute power of work had gone into that and any of the, the people listening to this if you if you haven't listened to that series already I'd uh, strongly encourage that you, that you go back and listen to it however the editing was so clever David that uh, as, as you and your mate were talking about you not getting into the game and saying F Airdrie I was dropped back in as if I was agreeing with all that chat from something completely separate uh, and there was also seemed to be a bit of a disparity between um, you saying that there was some sort of problem with your, your bus to that game which meant that you were late why you didn't get in do you want to tell people the real reason why your bus was late because it was because I got the wrong bus, wasn't it? it was. Because you got you got the bus yeah. to, Mo- to Motherwell. Yes, I got the bus to Motherwell because I thought Motherwell and Airdrie are rivals. They don't like each other. They must live ne- next to each other, and yeah, it's completely opposite direction. I I, I I'm not gonna lie. I was naive oh, at the yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thank you for um, pulling the curtain behind the the editing and blowing <laughs> apart all my editing work. But yes, I'll take the L on that one. Finish with a bit of praise as well. So uh, whoever it was on the, the Thistle side that when the, the deal was announced for, for Tiffany this week and said, I think it's a loan now, that, that's absolutely superb. <laughs> so uh, great credit. We can't, we can't wait to see him running just as fast as he can this Saturday. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very well. But massive praise. That was a, a brilliant documentary piece. And for amateur podcasters to be pulling together something as, as high quality as that, well done to you all. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Um, so we'll just get into, obviously we're playing Airdrionians on Saturday. Um, Airdrionians just b- uh, bouncing back from a defeat in their first game against Peterhead on Saturday. Uh, Samuel, well, first of all, um, how do you how did you feel that Airdrie had done over the lockdown in terms of preparing themselves for the run of games? Don't don't know. I mean, they were probably the same as yourself. So, so furloughed everyone. So I thought, hoped that... Um, the fact that we are essentially full-time clubs, we're on a hybrid model, but the core of the staff are are, are, are full-time. Uh, that that would probably give us a chance to do like a mini pre-season and really get up to speed. They did a brilliant piece of business bringing in um, Kyle Turner, who'd been frozen out at Dunfermline, but is tipped for quite big things. Uh, and unfortunately, 
Uh, I, I, well, I was so impressed by that transfer. I signed up to sponsor his home jersey at cost of a couple of hundred quid. He gets sent off after four minutes, so I might have a very a very clean jersey. So I, I don't know <laughs> how good the fitness was. They coped quite well with ten men, but lost one nil. Um, so I. So still guess we'll need to see another couple of games. Should be an advantage being full-time, but, but didn't go off to a great start. Before the break, uh, we had gone on a decent spell and Falkirk were starting to crumble a bit. Um, but the breaks may become a good time for them, so they, they're off to win yourselves. And, and us having a I'd, I'd take a playoff place right now, to be honest, because I'm not even convinced that, that we're consistent enough to, to land one of those. So a, a bit of a concern. What I would say that the first game between our sides was probably... Of all the live stream games I've watched, the, the one that I've enjoyed most, I think that the Thistle level of coverage is really good. Having the two camera angles, having the replays, um, I thought we started really well and were, were good for our lead. Gave away a sloppy goal. Then there was a bit of a... Uh, I mean, you hit, you hit the woodwork maybe twice at the start of the second half. We're really all over us. We had a penalty shout, which... Our photographer sticks a GoPro behind the goals, and from that angle, if it, if it was VAR, it would probably have been given. But I think even the Airdrie fans were saying really soft. You went up the park and scored a, a beautiful second goal. We just can't break teams down when they sit in, and you saw it with a lot of long throws into the box. Never troubled anyone. Is Brian Graham that plays up front for yourselves? Yeah. He was he was absolutely excellent yeah. that game. He, he was I mean he was a cut above. He really bossed the game. Was was back in his own six yard box clearing stuff. So I thought he was he was excellent. You, you were you were worthy winners that day. And so I'm hoping that Saturday could be another good good game to watch between us if, if neither of us is going to win the league. Um, but but I don't know. We're we're kind of all over the place in terms of consistency. At the time of recording, um, it's goal difference between fourth and seventh for Fairdrie Thistle. East Fife and Peterhead all on 16 points, some with games in hand um, there. Obviously, it becomes become very wary of this because of the new split that's been introduced with the top five playing off against each other and the bottom five playing off against each other, meaning that any sort of dip in form could see you locked out and playing for nothing the last, you know, after the split. I just wanted to get your thoughts, Colin, on the split. Yeah, I don't think you had a choice. I think it was null and void or play each other twice and I, th- I think a split just feels a bit fairer because you give people a few more games I mean I don't think you can complain if it was an 18 team uh, season you didn't know at the start but it wasn't as if you were setting out to, to pace yourself and come on to a run so I think the, the fact that the football's back uh, I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to moan about it because <laughs> I've been through all that full circle the, 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 the last time um, but no I think I think it's fair and I, I agree I've got a real worry about is not making the top half and then it's a real damp squib of a season and you worry about the, the finances for the club and everything like that. If we can make the top half and, and get a playoff place then at least we'll have a bit of an excitement and you'll have what a twenty what is that a twenty two game season with potentially another four games on top, which doesn't feel that yeah. bad. It's actually been quite nice to see there seems to have been a bit of harmony amongst the, the, the lower league clubs and you would have had somewhere you would have had a vested interest in um, not like being it null and void like Brecon could have uh, dodged relegation again if it, if it was just all null and void and I didn't hear any strong dissenting voices so so fair play to everybody that's running the, the clubs at our level they do seem to just have uh, been focused on getting back and like a bit of, a bit of sport and fairness rather than looking out for themselves so I, I think they've, they've boxed quite clever and I'm, I'm glad they've got it back Finally, we always ask our guests when we have them on uh, to preview a game, I prefer a prediction of the score on Saturday. So we're still kind of talking and changing 
trying to find a midfield formation. I've not got I've not got a good feeling about the rest of the season. So uh, I think I think a narrow thistle win, possibly from some sloppy or defending. Uh, so yeah, not not feeling positive about it. I'll say two one thistle. Thanks again, Colin, for uh, coming back on, and good luck for the rest of the season beyond Saturday. So uh, nice to speak to David, and uh, yeah, to fingers crossed we have another game because if we don't, it probably means Airdrie haven't or one of us hasn't made the top half. So yeah, let's catch up again hopefully later in the season. No more sorrow, but that's the chance. So we play Airdrie away on Saturday back in league action before we play Forfa again in the league at Farhill the following Tuesday. I think I know what answer I'm going to get from all of you, but I'll come around to you anyway and ask you, what sort of team do you want to see us start with on Saturday? Jamie, I'll come to you first. A very similar, if not the exact same, as we started with against Kevin Beef. Just a team that's direct will actually go for Airdrie. I don't want us to see us oh, trying to grind out some 1-0 win I just want us to actually go for them and hopefully win by a couple goals. Just if we can just do that, get make a statement, you know, build up the confidence in the team. That's what we need to be doing. You know, Zach Rudden's obviously scored that first goal. He's got the, you know, that monkey off his bat now. Hopefully that that's the start of him scoring regularly for us because that's what we need and expect from him. I know his injuries have caused him issues, but he should have scored before then. And now I'm glad he's got his first goal. I'd, yeah, just an attacking team. Maybe the only change I could say see getting made is McIver getting swapped out for Graham. But McIver's been lively when he's played, so McCall might not even do that. He might just stick with him and Rudden up top. But I just wanted to see he's going for that attacking team. Ryan Wilmson being back in the team. Forgot to mention that when talking about the Cowan Beef game. He definitely made a difference. He was good going forward. I liked watching him play. He does bring something extra to our team going forward. And yeah, I'm just hoping that we go with the same lineup and go for Airdrie and just get a get a comfortable win for once at least a comfortable win I'm not saying we need to go there and smash them 5 now, even though I'd love us to get a 5 nil win but just a comfortable win like a, a 3 nil or something that we just haven't done in the league this season it'd be brilliant for confidence and it'd make a good statement I'll take one now David I, you know I'm the eternal optimist on this pod I was still tipping us to win the league before the shutdown and all that even after the Falkirk game and all that I, I agree with Jamie, we should absolutely be going for them. I think Airtree as well, I, th- I think the, the thing for Airtree as well is that I think a lot of their fans and probably the, the team think that much like ourselves, the result on Saturday has kind of maybe given Falkirk the league and I think maybe they're a, they could be a bit vulnerable in terms of confidence in the sense that you maybe have seen a t- them kind of fall at the title race, probably very similar to ourselves. I think they might be susceptible for us to beat. I, I would love us to beat them 5-0. <laughs> you know, of course I would. But um, again, I'd take a 1-0. But we really should be lining up the same as the Cowden Beef game. As Matt says, you know, the difference between sort of League 2 and bottom League 1 is negligible. I know Airtree are sort of a hybrid part-time full-time team and stuff like that, but they are beatable, and realistically, we should be beating them. Mark? Yeah, I would, I would go away as close to, if not the same team as played against Cowden Beef. There's confidence there, there's goals flowing. 
a left field shout perhaps I'd maybe have Connor Murray starting over Joe Cardo because like Cardo's obviously a bit older you don't want to be burning out we've got a lot of guys in that sort of 30 plus uh, sort of age range so I'd maybe, I'd maybe go with Murray to start bring on Cardo towards the end tiring uh, if they're tiring and things are, are looking like we can harm them there that pretty much as close to that team as possible. I know I've been very critical of Connor Murray um, in recent times, especially at the weekend, but he, he played very well when he came on. He took his goal very well. I think having a wee bit of a minor tweaks rather than wholesale changes I would hope for in the, the game at the weekend. I'm with you, Mark, on maybe tweaks just in the sense that we do have a lot of games coming up. I I can't put in strong enough terms that if he puts Conor Murray in over Joe Cardo, it'll be absolutely wild, a wild decision. Joe Cardo didn't start the first game against Cove and Joe Cardo is probably one of our naturally fittest players. And I'm not a huge Joe Cardo fan, but I think it's been pretty inarguable that he's been one of our most influential players since the restart in the two games. He's set up a goal against Cowdenbeath. He's scored a goal against Cove and he's got that partnership with Williamson down the right. I don't see how you can drop him for Murray. Murray did have a good 20 minutes when he came on the other night, but he's been so ineffective this season and I think if Murray did come in for Cardo and we didn't win that game, it would be such a huge stick to beat McCall with. I I think it would be a crazy decision to do that. But I'm with you on maybe tweaking one or two things just for the sake of freshness and rotation. But I I can't see that being one of the changes. I think it's more just a sort of fitness, um, not so much fitness, but just a lot of games coming up, man. And like, I could could maybe see Murray uh, first first hour, 65 minutes, if things are going well, bring on Cardo. Like, I wouldn't begrudge Cardo starting over Murray. It was just more of a, if I'm going to change anything, maybe that, that I'm as close to that team as as possible, really. I'm, I'm just very excited to see what Tiffany does. I think, again, he's going to be instrumental for us this season, and I've really enjoyed watching him in Cowden Beef. He's just a player that I, I, I feel that I'm going to really enjoy watching, and I think he's going to do some good stuff for us. So I'm really excited to see what he does. Agree, firm agree. So we'll move on to our partridge thistle section. Um, last week we asked how many bites did it take you to eat a cream egg. We got a few answers: twos, threes, fours. Most people said thin side first, which was was pleasing to hear. More important than the number of bites, I think. But uh, thanks for everyone who fed back on that. This week I'm I'm not sure how David's going to edit the episode if he's going to put the the interview with Old Fun Facts in after or before this. But we did ask Old Fun Facts this question. He put out a tweet saying he was coming on this podcast and he was asking for questions that we would like to ask him. And one of the replies was, if Buzz Lightyear doesn't believe he's a toy, why does he lie motionless when adults come into the room? So I've got a panel of three here. Do any of you have have answers to this? Or are we announcing that the whole Toy Story franchise is is over? Because I'm a... A respected journalist and media figure for the Drawlers Draw podcast. I actually did a bit of research on this because that's just how bored I was yesterday. My theory on it is that Buzz Lightyear is a professional. He's an astronaut. You know, he's 
he's um, a military figure. He, he has some sort of background where he's he's combat ready, so to speak. He's not going to sell out the rest of his the rest of his gang, you know, the toys. So when they drop down and they, when they go stiff, he's not going to be running about diverting attention. He's going to fall in line, and it's just an instinctive thing where to you know protection. So I, I think that's why I think he's going he's protecting everybody and protecting himself to make sure he doesn't get caught out. If there's one thing you can say about Buzz Lightyear, he's a good lad. Uh, Jamie, Mark, any thoughts on on Buzz? I mean, I think maybe he just, the other toys all stopped moving. Maybe he thought they were doing something, playing a game or something. Maybe that's why he stopped moving with them. Maybe he's a bit of a sheep. Maybe he's just following the crowd. They all stopped moving. He decides to as well. We don't know. You're going to have to ask Buzz that one, to be honest. I think he's the best person to ask. I think, right, well, he's a space ranger, right? He's an intelligence and the key thing about intelligence, and you'll know this from watching things like Line of Duty, is you've got to assimilate in. So therefore, if he's an intelligence space ranger, he's got to make himself appear as non-dodgy. So I reckon that's why he's into that. It's, he's got to flawlessly blend in in order to get his intelligence. He knows how to get results. And that's why I think he's... Well, actually... That's why he... Can he play up front? <laughs> Sign him. <laughs> I love the idea going, you'll have to ask Mr Buzz that one. So next he can draw this or draw Buzz Lightyear like, yeah, with a sounding guest appearance. I put far too much thought into this. I had like... No, that, that's what we want. That's required from uh, Partridge Thistle. He's mentioned Line oh, and the Duty. Not, did anyone watch Line and Duty the weekend? Oh, of course, of course I did, yeah. Uh, so it was quite a slow start, but you know, it's always a show that builds. I listen to that Shrine and Duty podcast, and they do like full episode breakdowns and trailer breakdowns, and they're obsessed, and it gets you obsessed. I'm fully prepared if we do not pick up a win by the time we record next week, just to turn this into a Line and Duty podcast. <laughs> um, I've been more than happy to do that. <laughs> Oh, we be, the name of the podcast could be someone to do a line of duty. It's got to be a Ted Hastingism. He's got the, he has the best lines in the whole show. I seen what? somebody posted, somebody posted on Twitter. Is it who is he? It's at Tastings Direct, which I thought was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is no H anymore. Uh, H isn't a thing anymore. Though, H. H. I'm looking forward to like Ian Bateman and James Kearney coming on next week to discuss like the latest uh, chiz going on. Yeah, um, I, I, I didn't know what Chiz meant until I looked it up. I was like, they kept saying it. I was like, what is a Chiz? I think I go Chiz, yeah. Yeah, I was like, what is that? I was like, no, I hope this all goes in. And uh, basically, the listeners can decide if they want uh, <laughs> us to review uh, Airdrie 1 Partick Thistle now or Line of Duty Series 6 Episode 2. You know, it's up to them. <laughs> anyway, so, thanks for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. I've been your host, Matt Greer, and joining me this week were Jamie McDonald, David Forrest, and Mark Wallace. As always, stay safe and wear a mask. Mm-hmm.